Have you ever had imposter syndrome or have you ever wondered how somebody in a family business grabs the baton and runs with it to grow it? If so, you're in for a treat. This episode of Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, we are going to be talking to Michael Linehan, who has been active as I would say an architect, a little bit in land development. We're going to dive into his story and we're going to show you how he got to where he is. Hopefully you can pull some really strong tidbits out of this to help yourself if you're trying to overcome like an imposter syndrome or a growth mode challenge. Michael, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Steve. Just excited to kind of talk about the last few years and and where we started and where we are today and, and hopefully where we're going in the future. Awesome. I love it. I mean, you, we were talking kind of before the show and when you started where you're at right now, you were a team of one, you're now a team of 17. You've grown quite a bit in just the last few years. I know that comes with a lot of challenges, but let's start at the beginning. I mean, you said you knew pretty early on that you wanted to become an architect. Um, how did you get to where you are right now? Yeah, I think um, I, I was fortunate to to have siblings and kind of uh, uh, see what their interests are and, and they were a little bit older and, and as they were trying to figure out their careers kind of had the ability at a young age to kind of be like, well, what do I want to do? But I, I was always really um, drawn to art in any kind of way, um, but drawing, painting, whatever. But when I was around my house, uh, I always used to get reprimanded by my dad for stealing all the wood in the, uh, in the garage and just building something. I always wanted, whether it was a skateboard ramp or a fort or whatever, um, I always just wanted to be hands-on with with having an idea and then bringing that into reality. And so uh, with the artistic nature and that hands-on, um, this draw, uh, and my sisters, my older sisters started applying to colleges and we're trying to figure out what's my major going to be. I don't know what that is. And so I got to kind of see that and be like, well, I can start to decide now uh, where I want to go with my career. And uh, that's when I was like, architecture just hits it spot on. I get to do the art. I can uh, have an idea and go get that developed. Um, and so with that, I, I just applied all over the country, knew I kind of wanted to go out and get some different experience to, to go to architecture schools, ended up at University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Uh, it was a great program, great college experience. Um, and then uh, when I was in school, realized that, you know, I want to make my way back to Austin and what was my career going to look like. Um, and uh, ended up applying to graduate school in, in landscape architecture uh, to get a little bit more well-rounded there. Um, and in, in grad school, ended up landing a job with a the great firm here in Austin, DeClark & Associates, um, and enjoyed that experience. And that's where I got my architecture license uh, and then eventually uh, broke out to, to join Land Strategies, uh, now LSI. Um, and that's that's where we are today. And, and I can dive in a little bit deeper to kind of what that process was like, but I'll throw it back to you. Cool. Let's talk a little bit about LSI. So you went over there and you were a team of one when you started. Like when you took that job, what was your vision? Did you think it was going to grow? Did you think it was just going to be smaller? What What were your plans when you came on right. over there? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was a, as a team of one architect there, we did have a, a, a staff of, I believe it was seven people that were in the, uh, planning realm. Um, I'll, I'll step back a little bit as to how I got to, to LSI because, um, for those who don't know, the firm was founded by my father, Paul, uh, back in 1983, where he was, a a, a recent graduate of Harvard landscape architecture school and wanted to get back into Texas and, uh, 
found his niche in land planning and entitlement work. Um, and I uh, knew what he did growing up, but never uh, had way too much of an interest in entitlements. And I didn't know much about it, but it was in my uh, my undergrad career that I started to learn more about the development process and really realized what he did and being the first creative at the table to lay out a land plan and then get that entitled. And then uh, what he was doing was essentially creating projects that was teeing up an architect for a drug and saying what other architect would could come in. And um, I uh, uh, recognized that opportunity and kind of came to him and told him, hey, I think I, I'd like to work with you to, to grow the business and architecture uh, and keep everything in-house. Um, and so that kind of planning and visioning started pretty early on within my, my education, um, but didn't really know at that point what that was going to look like. And so once I got my master's degree and then got my architecture license with Dick Clark, um, that was when I, I had transitioned over to, to LSI and was like, I'm, my mindset was I'm starting a little essentially from ground zero in architecture, but had that that pedestal of the planning practice with the existing clients and existing programs and things of that nature to to work with that. Um, and at the at the onset, it was all about can I get someone to hire me as an architect? What job can I get? Can I just can I just get my foot in the door? Um, and it wasn't all growth mentality at that point. It was it was just get up off the ground. And then can I get a few projects that allow me to hire some other individuals to get some help in that? But once I got a couple of projects in, in the shop, um, that's when I started to think about a little bit more, what is the ultimate vision of where I wanna be with my career? Um, and that that's where I was thinking, you know, what has land strategies been in terms of the master planning and how can I leverage that to have the greatest impact on the community uh, and the built environment so that I'm proud of what I've done with my career. Um, and that's when I kind of recognized that being a fully integrated firm with land planning, architecture, and landscape architecture, we really have the ability to shape environments for the user experience. And the, that wheelhouse of a master plan development where you're creating, you know, nodes of entertainment and housing and parkland and getting that all to work within a system to really have an influence on the, the greater good of the community was where I realized uh, I was really passionate about that. And so what was the step steps one, two, three to get there? And and what developers and what do their mindsets need to be that I need to link up with to make that happen, right? And so um, that's where it was, you know, what are the elements of those types of communities? And it's Parkland, it's it's multifamily housing, vertical mixed use with retail and hospitality, business parks. And so as a one person shop on the architecture side, who's gonna hire me now to, to help give me that experience? And so it's it's a little bit of the smaller retail projects, any small residential or multifamily things that I could get my hands on. Um, and fortunately it was the um, uh, great clients that I, I linked up with uh, that allowed us to to grow at such a rapid pace, um, and and that was in the larger multifamily side, and that gave me the, the ability to hire some people that had that experience as well, um, and build on that. But I think what really accelerated that success is when I met with those clients. I was very upfront about what I was passionate about and my why behind that, and 
especially in Austin with transit and affordability being issues, I really found my passion around affordable housing and those, those community impact projects. And so instead of saying, hey, hire me for multifamily, I said, this is what I'm passionate about. Does that align with what you're looking to do? Because let's team up and go execute that together. And that's really what it helped build on the vision that we have for the future. Um, you know, don't, there's a long way to go, but, um, and a lot of this is really being introspective after the fact on how we got there. Uh, yeah. but I think we're really understanding that, um, ex expressing your vision and your passion to clients helps you align you with the right people to help get you there. That's, I mean, I agree. If you're passionate about something, you can share that with somebody. It definitely helps to move the ball forward. And that's what separates a lot of people is that personal relationship and having kind of like that, like people understand that your passion. So one of the things we talked about leading into this was like the imposter syndrome. Like, why would somebody hire me when mm -hmm. they could go to a bigger firm that has a different track record? Can you kind of talk to that a little bit? I mean, it leads into what you were saying about like, you had to find the right people to work with, but then you also had to convince yourself that you could not only do the work, but that they would work with you. I mean, if you go in without any confidence, it's really hard to land land a bigger job, right? Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's definitely a challenge, especially when you see your career pace accelerate quickly, because you go, in my case, pretty quickly from a junior project designer to a firm of one to firm leader. Right. And so on a yearly, monthly, quarterly basis, your your roles and responsibilities start to change pretty dramatically. And so when you go from being the person three steps away from the client doing the, the legwork behind to quickly find interfacing and getting those challenging questions, and you're you kind of go into those meetings with that fear of are they going to ask me something that I don't know that I can't go for there? And and I think one of the things that helped me. Uh, kind of push through that was the understanding that it's okay to not know as long as you're communicating well uh, with the client on that and say, you know what, I don't have that answer right now, but I'll tell you what, I'll go find it. Um, I actually want to, I want to dovetail on that. Like I have seen, I don't know, I've probably interviewed more than 400 businesses on here and I've seen one of the key traits of people that do really, really well are the people who can admit when they don't know something. When they just because everybody, no one expects anyone to have all the answers. And somebody who actually says, I don't know, but I'm going to go find out. I'm going to get back to you and we're going to solve it. That makes me trust a person more than somebody that I think might be BSing me and like making up an answer, right? We all know when people do that. So that's awesome. What else? What else really helped you move the needle when it came to like internal imposter syndrome? Because you have to get up every morning and look at yourself in the mirror, right? Like, you, you you grew really fast yeah it's it's um you know I, I think when you say internal imposter syndrome i was thinking internal to the firm and that was another hurdle that i didn't expect because it's i've got this great project i need some help i need to go find someone with experience in that realm to help me get the ball over goal line right and a lot of time those those people have 20 years experience over you in the industry and you're only going to hire someone who's good, right? And so that that becomes a how how am I going to be directing or being the boss of someone who a couple of years ago I would have said, you know, this is by far my superior. And I think getting over the uh, the idea of superiority 
you don't have to be a superior person or anything. You need to recognize talent where talent is and work as a team uh, together then, but also recognize that you have your own unique abilities and to give yourself credit for that, um, which is really hard to do when you're trying to be a humble leader and, and try to um, make sure that there's a good culture within the firm, that there's there's almost a self, uh, the self-doubt of like, well, I need to defer to this person because they've got more experience or they're better, but uh, recognizing your own value, but getting a group of people that have their own unique abilities and putting them in a place for success where they can really have that autonomy and push things forward with you as a team, rather than trying to be that, oh, I've got to be that, um, you know, I've got to be better than everybody else in order for people to respect me. It's more of, I've got to be that guiding light and have that confidence and have that vision and make sure that people get around that vision rather than just me as a person. Um, but it's, I mean, it's, it's easy to say now, but to practice that is, is challenging. Like you said, getting up in the morning and looking in the mirror and saying like, I'm the leader of this firm. I'm a leader in the real estate and development community. It's challenging because you always, it's, Comparison. Comparison is always the hardest thing to get over. It's you, you see someone either your same age or even younger who might be showing signs of more success or getting better projects and saying, why am I not there yet? Why is my revenue not to where that person is yet? And recognizing that everyone's on their own track, on their own process. And as long as you're setting that guiding light and that vision and working diligently and disciplined towards that goal, that that helps get over a lot of those those self-doubting feelings of comparison with others, right? Yeah, absolutely. That that kind of dovetails into our next question. So you you work at a firm with your dad. Your dad is right. in a different place than you are mentally. And like you said, like sometimes sometimes we butt heads, but it's always like for the best. We always seem to work things out. How has it affected you working with him? Um, and how have you guys like maybe overcome some some conflict? to find success. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, there's no roadmap to family dynamic, right? It's uh, everyone has their own bag of worms and, and, uh, and relationship issues. But, uh, you know, I think from a family standpoint is just recognizing that we are a family and that that's going to take precedent over business and not letting that get in the way of a personal relationship. So I feel like we've, we've done a good job to a degree of trying to separate the, uh, in the office versus out of the office relationship, which was one deal, but it's uh, me and my dad have always had a great relationship, but it's always, uh, we've always been fire and ice when getting on a product together. And, and even when I was talking about, you know, building stuff with his wood in the garage, when we would do a project together, it was always like, no, this way, no, that way. And, and we would butt heads. And so there was a little bit of a, an acknowledgement coming into this business relationship that there was going to be some uh, some challenges to overcome with communication and vision. Um, but like I said, there's no roadmap. And so as we got into the process, there was always these hurdles of, you know, he's at the tail end of his career and has built this, this business and this reputation around the development community that is, is his other child, right? Um, and it took a while for me to recognize that, you know, the, the amount of effort and time that goes into building that kind of reputation and uh, and success. Um, and it's not easy to just let that go and go in a new direction. Um, and so I think it was us getting more aligned on what my 30 year vision of where I want to be for my career is and, and kind of what that 
requires today to pivot or change or or improve upon in, in any way. Um, and, and having those more uh, abstract conversations of the high level things rather than arguing on the weeds of how we should do a project and get that done, um, which is always the first place you start, right? Is, is I see that this project, we should do that, we should do that. And then, but taking those opportunities to step back and look at it from a 10,000 foot view and say, why are we both here right now? Where are we going? Um, and uh, uh, and getting aligned with that, that kind of helped us get through the, the, the bickering of the smaller items. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. If you can look at the 10,000 foot view and you're aligned on the vision, the little stuff tends to work itself out. Um, as long as like eventually, my, when I've ever gone in and had something like that happen, it's always, if we're aligned on the big vision, we can figure out the smaller stuff. And usually that builds some trust and some confidence. And then once they see that you can do the smaller stuff and that it works, it might be different from how they would do it, but most people don't care as long as it gets done and it gets done in a way that, that makes them feel confident in the business. Absolutely. And it's also just, there, there's all these generational gaps too, right? Of This is how I've worked for 30 years and this is how we do things. And it's like, well, there's new methods, new ways of, of doing things and kind of getting past that rub. And, uh, you know, also that, you know, father-son relationship is I've flipped my switch where I'm mad and you're mad. And now we're going to battle to see who's right and trying to recognize those triggers and pull back and say, hey, let's have a conversation about why we're both upset about this situation and get aligned with, with where we're going to do. Because at the bottom line was I wanted this firm that my dad founded to grow and prosper into the future. And he wanted to set my career up. Uh, on a booster seat to where it could, it's a launching pad to take off from. And so both of those things were very aligned. And so when it got out to the, the minutia that we were arguing about, it's like, let's go back to that. That's, we're both here on the same team to try to make this better for both of us. Um, and and are the decisions we're making now supporting that goal, right? Awesome. That's, I mean, that is a really good point. I got two two questions. Um, the first one is, what's the future hold? Like, what do you see when you look at the next three to five years? Like, you've grown so much in the last five. What's in the next five years? What's what's in the plans? And how is your dad? Is your dad transitioning out? Is he going to stay around? What's the deal? Yeah, that's that's a good question because we're right at that, at that kind of turn point, right? Because um, uh, I took over the role of president last year. Um, my dad still has ownership in the company and he, that's when he kind of transitioned to a three day a week, uh, role. Um, and part of that was just to try to help mentally get around of, I don't need to be in the weeds, the, you know, the yeah. projects and can still be successful without my constant input because for 35, 40 years, nothing happened without that direct input. Right. And so it's, there's a lot of comfort that there's a lot of you know, internal dialogue that you have to get over in order to say, this is going to be okay without my constant input into the, my fuel into the fire. Right. Um, and so um, I'm getting a little bit lost, lost in my thoughts here, but the, uh, um, I'm sorry, could you repeat the question one more time? Hopefully yeah, sure. No problem. What, yeah. Next three to five years, where do you oh, see yeah. yourself? Yeah. Um, sorry. I'm going to try to wrap this, wrap this back around. Um, like, where do you see the business three to five years from now, like growth curve wise? I was, I was going to try to tie into where I started with that 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 uh, tangent so it could edit, be back together. But the uh, um, no, just start anyway, again. It's all right. We'll, we'll yeah, take yeah. care of it. 
Um, so in the in the next uh, three to five years, it's um, uh, still on a growth trajectory, right? Um, and it's it's never been for me the growth for the sake of growth. I, I haven't. I never said that I want to be a fifty person business. I want to be a hundred person business. What I said is that vision of we want to develop communities and uh, you know projects that have high impacts and what that looks like physically are master plan developments that have a mix of uses that create uh, a great user experience and a benefit to the greater community right and so in order to get more of those projects and execute on those we need the right personnel uh, to be able to do that and so it's it's a kind of a, a strategy of when when those projects that allow us to grow and, and hire those individuals that can help us achieve that vision um, and so with that, you know, we're looking to go after those larger projects in the next five years in, and in just the central Austin, central Austin, central Texas community, there's only so many of those projects, right? So expanding the footprint a little bit and looking for opportunities outside of our, our kind of footprint that it's been for the last 35 years and other places in Texas, in Colorado, Florida, Knoxville, that's where I went to school. I love that city. Um, we don't, we haven't set a stake in the ground of, you know, three years from now, we're going to open up a satellite office in Denver or something like that. But we have talked internally about, hey, we're going to start expanding our footprint and uh, look for opportunities uh, outside of Austin and, and Texas. And if we can win a couple of those and have some traction within another market, there may be an opportunity to hire in that market or, or have a satellite presence. Uh, still with the majority of our work being in, in Austin. Um, so that right now, it's, that's, that idea is it's in, in its infancy. Uh, but um, when we started to talk internally about what does growth look like and what, what helps us accomplish that goal of high impact in communities, I think the answer came down to, well, there's more communities other than Austin, Texas that can we can impact in a positive way. And that can help uh, build upon our mission as well as the growth of the firm and also I think it can be exciting for, for our employees and individuals to be able to, uh, to work in different markets or, or be in a different market and, and have an impact there. Um, and also from a clientele standpoint, you know, a lot of developers that work in the realm of master plan developments and vertical mixed use products are, are working in multiple markets. And so to have a, have a team that they can trust and rely on uh, and, and take them to other places as well as, as part of what we think will help um, accomplish those goals. Um, so right now, uh, a lot of the nuts and bolts of what gets us there is the structure of the firm and the standard operating procedures and our metrics and things of that nature. Because yeah, uh, in the past, when it was just a handful of people as a firm doing planning work in Central Texas, it was just execution of projects. But in order to have that kind of growth, you have to have a scalable structure and identified roles and responsibilities. Um, and so that's been over the last couple of years, a, a really big goal of mine is to define what that structure looks like and how that scales so that we can get the people in the right places to be able to lead those efforts. And so we went from a, a planning firm of a few people to a multidisciplinary disciplinary firm with a director of architecture, a director of landscape architecture and a director of planning. Um, and each person had those direct reports that work in, in their realm. Um, we are still a small firm, small boutique, multidisciplinary firm. So there's a lot of overlap in that uh, 
uh, collaboration on projects. Uh, so it's not so everybody in their silos, it's more our, our office kind of looks like a hornet's nest with everyone going back and forth, which I love getting that buzz around uh, work. Uh, but we also just recently hired our first vice president to kind of help assist uh, my roles and responsibilities in the, the operations of the firm and business development so that I can start to slowly allow myself to have more of that high level vision and yeah. try to work a little bit more on the business rather than in the business, uh, which is another really hard transition of, of going from a producer to a leader. Um, and, uh, and like I said, every year, every quarter, that role and responsibility changes, but having that, that discipline to step back and review it um, and, and saying, am I doing the things that are getting me to where I wanna be is key in, in trying to make sure that progress is, is um, happening. Awesome. That's, I mean, that is very, very true. Working on the business instead of in the business and being a visionary and letting other people do their roles, having clearly defined roles. I think that's, there's a takeaway from all of this. I think that is one of the biggest ones. Um, Michael, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and your journey with us. To everybody who's still listening, uh, we will see you on the next episode. Until then, remember, take action, change lives, make money and we will see you soon. Are you looking to scale your business, but trying to figure out how to get your message across? Well, go to storyselling.how to grab my free course that will show you how to discover everything that you need to build your business through stories. These stories work whether it's in social media, email, or public speaking. There are five core stories that you'll learn. You'll be able to use all of them by the time you're done with this course. Again, that is storyselling.how. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to tune in next time. Thank you.